We're starting a brand new message series today that we're calling Hey Jude, and we're doing a little riff on the old Beatles song a little bit, but this is going to be a six-week teaching from the book of Jude, and I kind of think I know, I'm not going to see very many hands, but I'm just curious to know, how many of you in this room have read the book of Jude from the Bible at least once in the last 12 months, in the last 12 months? All right, several of you have, not very many. So this may be some new material for lots of you, and I think you're going to really love it. This is one of my favorite books in the Bible to preach from, and really, really timely message. So we're going to take a break, give the kids a a chance to get to their classrooms. Adults, you can grab some refreshments, and I hope you'll start a conversation with someone. I'm going to give you a a question to answer while you're milling around. Here's the question. You ready? Tell me a story about your most interesting family member, all right? So find somebody. You are the most interesting family member. (laughs) Oh, we don't have the time. So kids, go to your classes, mix it up. We'll get started with our teaching time just shortly. So I was visiting with a a number of you about who your most interesting relative is. I heard a few uh, funny stories, and um, in first service... I came to the realization that if somebody in my family was going to tell the stories, they would probably tell the story about me. So uh, I am probably the most interesting, air quotes, person in my family. Uh, But I want to tell you a little bit about my sister this morning. I have uh, one sister. I don't have any brothers. There were just two of us in our family other than my mom and dad. And uh, my parents would tell you that I was the bratty child. Um, do we have any bratty children in the room at all? You were, you were the bratty child, all right? My sister, on the other hand, she was the good child, and she always did things right, and how many good child do we have? All right, several of you will own that one. I don't believe in a minute, Jody, that you were a good child. I, I, <laughs> but... Uh, It was an interesting dynamic in my family because my sister was the good one, I was the bratty one, so she was always getting me into trouble. And and anytime I did anything wrong and my sister was aware of it, she was always telling mom and dad. And and my sister had this really interesting gift, I guess you could say it. Uh, She was able to cry on demand, okay? She could produce tears at will. And I used to tell my mom and dad, because I always got in trouble. If Julie was crying, I, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. So I was always getting a whooping if Julie was crying. And I would tell my mom and dad, she can turn it on and turn it off. They didn't believe me until she was in high school, joined the drama club, and she was on stage, cried with real tears on stage. And all of a sudden I was vindicated, you know, but all these years... All these years. But one of the stories that my sister and I still laugh about to this day was the day that she came out in the backyard and found me smoking. And, uh, and that was a big no-no, of course. And she used that information for months hanging over my head to make sure that I did whatever she wanted. And so that, that was kind of one of those things. But uh, oh, I have a question for you. Those of you that were bratty kids, I want you to think about this for just a minute. Can you imagine what it would have been like to grow up in Jesus's family of origin, okay? Can you imagine if Jesus was your biological brother? I, that, that just kind of blows my, my mind, you know? Uh, but here's the deal. Today we're going to be reading a letter, a real letter, from a real brother of Jesus. 
and his name is Jude. And you might not be aware of that, but the book of Jude was written by Jesus's biological brother. And so we're going to be unpacking this today, and over the next six weeks, we'll be talking about this letter. But today, I'm going to share three things with you. I'm going to share with you who Jude is. I'm going to share with you what Jude wants you to know. And then finally, what Jude wants you to do. So those are the three things we're going to be setting up for the rest of this message series and unpacking the rest of the book. Uh, But we're going to start today with who Jude is. If you've got your Bibles with you or if you like to use an electronic device, I invite you to turn to the book of Jude. It's the second to the last book in the Bible. So right before Revelation is the little book of Jude. And actually, this book is so short that it only has one chapter. And there's 25 verses in the book of Jude. And so when you see the verses come up on the screen, like this one that's coming up right now, uh, there it is. Uh, We don't even put Jude chapter one, we just put Jude and the verse because there's no chapters, it's just one one chapter. So we're gonna start reading right at the beginning. uh, And this is also in your notes. There's no cards up here if you wanna grab some or back at the Welcome Center too. So let's start reading right at the beginning of Jude's letter. It says this, this letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Now, right off the bat, I have all kinds of questions about what Jude is saying because it's very interesting that he identifies himself as a slave of Jesus Christ, but a brother of James. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to figure out pretty quickly that the James that Jude is talking about is actually the biological brother of Jesus, which then makes Jude, by process of elimination from people we know that had this name, makes Jude also a biological brother of Jesus Christ. So the question that I have today is, why didn't he just come out and say so? Why didn't he say, this letter is from Jude, I'm a brother of Jesus, and I'm also a brother of James. He says, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. And I think probably the simplest answer about why he doesn't say he's the brother of Jesus Christ, it, it, it probably has a lot to do with family dynamics. And I want you to imagine what it would have been like to grow up in this family. We know a few things about the family of Jesus from the Bible. Uh, And and the first thing that we learn is in Mark chapter 6, verse 3. And and this is just a description of Jesus' ministry, but there's some good family information in this verse. It says that when Jesus was teaching in his hometown, the people scoffed about him. They said he's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. And so we learn a few things about the family of Jesus. And I've got an image here on the center screen that kind of uh, will give you a visual for what this family was like. So there's Jesus in the middle, and then James, and there was a guy named Joseph, we're just going to call him Joe Jr., Mary and Joseph down here at the bottom, and then Judas... He shortened his name to Jude so he wouldn't be confused with Judas that betrayed Jesus. Simon is another brother. And then there's an unknown number of sisters. We don't know their names, so we're just going to call them Marcia, Jan, and Cindy, okay? Just for the sake of argument. But they're not their real names, obviously. But these would all have been the children that were born to Mary and Joseph after Jesus. Jesus was the oldest one. So I want you to just imagine with me what it was like to live in this household. 
Jesus was the oldest child. He was the firstborn. Jesus was brilliant. He could do really cool things. The Bible tells us a story about when he was 12 years old, he was in the temple debating biblical truth with all the scholars in the, in the temple, 12 years old. I mean, can you imagine that? In addition to all of that, Mary and Joseph had widely publicized the fact that they had been visited by angels, which was something that almost nobody believed. And so Jesus got lots of attention. He got lots of positive attention because he was so smart. He got lots of negative attention because he was considered to be Mary and Joseph's illegitimate child. He was probably called a bastard more than once. So if you can imagine being Jude in this household, we don't know a lot about Jude's early years, but imagine that maybe Jude was the shy one. Maybe he was the one that that people didn't really pay much attention to. And here you've got this older brother that just has it all. He gets all the attention, good attention, bad attention, and Jude is just always overlooked. I think, in all likelihood, Jude didn't like Jesus very much when he was growing up. And then there was his other brother, James. James was another interesting character. As an adult, James became the bishop of the church at Jerusalem. And James had a reputation as an adult. He was a rule follower. Jesus was often accused of being a rule breaker, but James was a rule follower. So I think James probably as a child might have been the good one, right? James was probably the tattletale that all the other brothers and sisters didn't really like very much because James was always the one going around trying to make mom and dad happy. And, and you know, if, if Jude was maybe, you know, if he, if he had a little bit of mischief in his eyes and, and liked to pull pranks or whatever, James was probably the one that was always telling on Jude and getting him in trouble with mom and dad. And, and so uh, this was probably not the most pleasant family environment. In fact, I'd say this. I don't think it was very heavenly being raised in the holy family. In fact, I think psychologists would probably call this family dysfunctional. And the reason I say this is because of some other information that we know about the family of Jesus. We find this in John chapter 7, verse 5. The very end of the verse, this is what we read. Even his brothers didn't believe in him. Even the brothers of Jesus didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They just weren't buying it. And I can imagine that this really broke Joseph and Mary's hearts. They knew that Jesus was the Messiah. Joseph and Mary, each of them, had been visited by angels. Remember those stories that we tell at Christmas? They both had these angel visitations. They knew the truth, but their kids believed that it was all a big fairy tale. And listen, if you're a parent of unbelieving children today, I think you can be encouraged by this story because Joseph and Mary went through much of their life with children who didn't believe in Jesus. If you're here today and you've got parents who maybe aren't believers or if you've got a spouse that doesn't believe in Jesus, I want you to know today you can be encouraged because the story of what happens to this family is is powerful evidence of what God does when we just trust him. 
Because here, listen to what happens to these four brothers. Four brothers who didn't believe in Jesus, didn't believe the Christmas story. They watched their brother Jesus be convicted on false charges. They watched their mother mourn his death. I can imagine that they probably watched Jesus hanging on a cross thinking, what a waste. What a horrible waste. Maybe they even stood there watching and pitying Jesus for his self-delusion. But listen, three days later, these four brothers were confronted with something that they could not argue with. Do you know what it was? Jesus was alive. They had watched Jesus die on the cross. They had watched him be laid in the tomb. They watched their mother mourn his death. And then they saw him rise from the dead. And so they were confronted with evidence that changed everything. For these brothers who didn't believe the stories about the angels, didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah, but now Jesus did exactly what he said he would do. He died and he rose again. And the next time we read about these boys... They had joined the rest of the disciples in the new community of faith. I want to take you to Acts chapter 1. This is what we read. They, the disciples, all met together. They were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. And so these four men had lived as unbelievers, and now they were believers. And this is one of the things that's very powerful about who Jude is. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Jude lived on both sides of faith. Jude lived on both sides of faith. Jude had spent much of his life as an unbeliever, and then when, when he saw the resurrection of Jesus, he became a believer. He became a follower of Jesus Christ. And so because Jude is a biological brother of Jesus, because Jude knows what it's like to be an unbeliever and then move into the community of faith because of this incredible experience that he had as a, as a person of faith, it's critically important that you and I listen to what Jude has to say. It's critically important that we pay attention to the message that Jude recorded for his readers that include you and me. And so I want to move now into sharing with you what Jude wants you to know. He's going to lay some stuff out for us that he thinks is incredibly important for us to know. So we're going to keep reading in Jude. Second half of verse one says this, I am writing to all who have been called by God the Father. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, this letter is for you. I'm writing to all who have been called by God the Father, who loves you and who keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. That's a great promise right there that I could spend a whole sermon talking about how how God keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. It's important for us to just pay attention to that alone because Jude's going to have some pretty big warnings for us later on. And then in verse two, Jude gives us this prayer that I love. He says, may God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. Some other translations say, may God multiply to you mercy, peace, 
and love. And boy, that's a prayer that I need every day. I need more and more mercy every single day. Anybody with me? You need more and more mercy, okay? Because I'm just so thankful that God multiplies mercy to me. And when, when life gets crazy, God multiplies peace to me. Anybody need more and more peace? And what about love? Because sometimes we're a little hateful, aren't we? And, and we need more and more love. And so if you're taking notes this morning, if you've got one of our note cards, here's what I would suggest to you. Would you just circle those six characteristics that Jude says that we receive from God right there in the text in your notes? Circle, he he calls us he loves us he keeps us and we get more and more mercy we get more and more peace we get more and more love and if i could summarize that today this is what i would say jude is reminding us that jesus blesses those of us who are in the faith jesus blesses those of us who are in the faith how many of you are glad you live under the blessing of jesus all right That'd be a good place to say a real loud amen. amen. All right, thank you. Next week, we're going we're gonna to move into the next section of Jude. And we're going we're gonna to read that Jude warns us that those who distort the faith receive something very different from Jesus. Those who distort the faith receive judgment from Jesus. And so what we're going to see in this short book of Jude is that Jesus blesses and Jesus judges. Jesus blesses and Jesus judges. And so in your notes, what I want to encourage you to do, I left a couple of boxes there for you. Just diagram this in to your, into your notes. There's a faith box. There's a distorted faith box. And those of us in the authentic faith receive the blessing of Jesus. Those of us who distort the faith suffer the judgment of Jesus. Now, this might be hard for some of you because none of us want to really believe that Jesus judges us. In fact, when we were working on this message collaboratively with our team, I got a little pushback from some of my team members. Uh, Somebody said to me, well, uh, Jesus blesses, absolutely, but Jesus forgives sins, God the Father judges us. And, and, And so I took my team to the book of Revelation because Jesus does both. Jesus blesses and Jesus judges. Here's what we read in Revelation 19. This is a description of Jesus coming back, the second coming of Christ. He's riding on a white horse, and this is what it says. Look at this carefully. From his mouth came a sharp sword that will strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. Jesus will judge the nations. He is the judge of all the earth. But one of the distortions that many Christians have believed is this idea that Jesus saves us and he blesses us, but he doesn't judge us. The problem, according to Jude, and I'm going to unpack this in the coming weeks, the problem is that if we only believe in the blessings of Jesus, our faith becomes distorted. 
Our faith becomes distorted if we only believe that Jesus blesses. The reality is Jesus also judges those who distort the faith. So it's important that we know what is true and what is not true so we don't fall into the judgment that Jesus reserves for those outside of the faith. And the same is true of God in general. All right? We hear people in our world today talking about how God is love. God is love, and and they really like God's love. But we fall into a distortion if we don't also understand that God is holy and that God cannot tolerate sin because of his holiness. God is love, and God is holy. Jesus blesses and Jesus judges. We really love to know that God forgives us, don't we? Don't we love forgiveness and mercy? We, we, we sing about it, we talk about it, it makes us feel good, we feel comforted. But we forget sometimes that God is also a God of wrath. And if you've ever read your Old Testament, you know that there's a lot of people in the Old Testament that got in big trouble with God. And just because Jesus came to offer forgiveness doesn't mean that God has changed his mind. He is both forgiving and wrathful. And it's all depending on where we stand in this faith. Does that make sense? The problem is, if we choose to believe only in the blessings of Jesus, but not his judgment, we fall for a distorted faith. So that's the message that Jude wants us to hear today. Jesus blesses and Jesus judges. So now let me share with you what Jude wants you to do. And this is where it gets really exciting. Verse three. Jude says, dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share that would have been the blessing part, right? Uh, Jude wanted to write a, a letter about salvation. But he says, now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. Defend the faith. If you're taking notes this morning, would you circle that in, in, in uh, that text there? Defend the faith. Another translation uh, translates it, contend for the faith. I did a little word study on this, on this word, and the word that in our translation is, is defend is a big Greek word that I can't even pronounce, and it's a word that's borrowed from the sport of wrestling, and it literally means to grapple. Okay? It means to get into a wrestling match and grapple. Judah is saying, I want to urge you to grapple for the faith. And here's what Jude is going to talk about. There's a lie in our world that existed 2,000 years ago, and we're still grappling with it today. The lie is that Jesus blesses, but he doesn't judge. And Jude says that's a distortion of the faith. If we fall for the distorted faith, we're going to suffer the judgment of Jesus. If our loved ones fall for distorted faith, they will suffer for the judgment of Jesus. 
So what does Jude want us to do when he says defend the faith? Well, very simply, this is what I'm going to share with you. Jude is saying, guys, get in the game. Get in the game. Grapple for the faith. Some of you have been sitting on a bench for a long time. You haven't really gotten out on the wrestling mat and started the hard work of wrestling and grappling for the faith. You're just a bench sitter. But you're going to need to to wrestle through some of your own faith issues because you've, you've believed a distorted faith. You're going to have to wrestle with some of that stuff if you're really going to have ears to hear what Jude has to say. Some others of us have friends and family members, co-workers maybe, who have fallen for a distorted faith. And Jude is going to call you to grapple with them. And listen, I know that it's not politically correct for us to talk about religion at the Thanksgiving table. But Jude is going to say, you've got to get in the game. You've got to start grappling with people that have believed a distortion of truth And they've believed a lie that Jesus is just good. Jesus is just loving. Jesus blesses. Jesus is just this mamby-pamby, two-dimensional figure that looks like a cartoon guy because Jesus is more than that. And and those that fall for the lie, for the distortion, are going to suffer the judgment of Jesus. And as we work through Jude, you're going to find that Jude is going to call you specifically to grapple with the distortions that some of your loved ones have believed. So if I could summarize Jude's message today, this is what it would be. Take a sad song and make it better. Listen, the song of distorted faith is a really sad song. Our world has believed a whole bunch of stuff that isn't true. And our world is suffering the consequences of believing lies. Our world is living in a state of judgment because our world is following a faulty theology that has led to tons of consequences. Are you aware of the problems that are happening in our our world? You watch the news every single day? This is a scary place to live. Why? Because sin is reigning in our world. People have believed a lie and people who have believed a lie are under the judgment of Jesus. Now, we're blessed. As Christians, aren't we blessed? Aren't you thankful to be blessed? And and Jude shared with us all those blessings. We're called by God. We're loved by God. We're kept by God. We're multiplied mercy, multiplied peace, multiplied. Those are blessings. So I I, I don't want to just paint a big, scary picture for you, but anyone who's believed the distortion, listen, our world is dying and going to hell. And many of us are sitting on the bench and Jude is saying, get in the game. Teach them a different song. Teach them the song of authentic faith so people can come into the blessing of Jesus. That's how we make it better. Last week when I was at our Great Falls campus, I got to help them baptize eight or nine people. It was awesome. We baptized three here, which was also awesome, but uh, eight or nine at the Great Falls campus. And many of the ones that got baptized last Sunday are people that live at the Great Falls Rescue Mission, 
which is just about a block and a half away from our campus in Great Falls. It's an awesome ministry for people who have uh, become homeless. Instead of living out in a, in a tent city in Great Falls, there's a, there's a beautiful facility where homeless people can go and live. And, and it's a Christian-run ministry, so lots of people come to faith in Jesus. And we baptized a married couple last Sunday as part of that service. And it was awesome. They both got in the tank together and Pastor Bob was on one side, I was on the other side and we baptized them at exactly the same time. And I wish you could have seen their faces when they came up out of the water. I heard their stories after the fact. Pastor Bob shared with me that both of them had let alcohol and drug abuse ruin their lives. And alcohol and drugs had ruined their marriage. They had lost their home. They found themselves with no place to live and they'd gone to the rescue mission to live, and they met Jesus in that place. And they had been living under the judgment of Jesus. But they came into the community of faith, and their faces told the whole story as they came up out of the water, and they were filled with hope. Their sins had been forgiven. They were filled with peace. Everything changed for them when they came into faith. And I don't know what their belief system was before, before they came to Jesus, but I know this, everything has changed now that they're living in the blessing of God. And that's the message of Jude. And that's the message that I want you to hear today. Jesus blesses and Jesus judges. Friends, don't miss out on the blessings of Jesus. Don't sell yourself short. Don't miss out on the blessings of Jesus. It all starts with believing. In this time of desperation When all we know is doubt and
Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit and He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection and He's coming back. He's coming back again. He's coming. That was worth the wait, wasn't it? (laughs) Let's pray together. Would you bow your heads? Lord Jesus, we really do believe those things. We, the family of God, the family of faith, those of us who have said yes to Jesus and his forgiveness and his mercy, Jesus, we believe. And because we believe, Jesus, we know that we live under your blessings But at the same time, Lord, there's a lot of us in this room that are hearing your voice today. Maybe some of us for the first time, we're hearing you call. We're hearing you say, get in the game. And there's a bunch of us today that are ready to start grappling for the faith. We're ready, Jesus, to get in the game. So help us today, Lord, take positive steps of faith. We thank you, Lord. Now, can I ask you to do me a favor? Would you just keep your eyes closed for the next couple of minutes? I want to pray for two very specific groups of people this morning, just before we close. And and I want to pray for people that feel this morning like Jesus is calling you to grapple, to wrestle with your own faith. You might be here today, and you're just struggling with the whole belief system. Maybe, Maybe you have fallen for a distorted faith and believed that that Jesus is a a blesser and a forgiver and merciful, but you've never taken seriously the idea that Jesus blesses people who believe distorted faith. And if that's you today and you're ready to wrestle for your own faith, I'm not saying you figured it all out or you have all all the answers, but you're just ready to wrestle and step into this arena. If that's you, would you raise your hand real high? I'm going to pray for you right now. Would you raise your hand real high if you're ready to step in and wrestle? Thank you bunch of people. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. I know this is tough stuff. Keep your hands up. I'm going to pray for you right now. Jesus, some of us today have just been struggling. Some of us have been struggling for a long time. Faith is hard. And and some of us, Lord, don't have all the answers, but we're ready to just get off the bench and start wrestling. Some of us are going to wrestle with you because we're just struggling with you personally. And and I trust, Lord, that you're okay with that because you're calling us into this this game, this wrestling match. So today, I I pray, Lord, for every single person that has a hand raised, Lord, and I want to pray that you will help them hear you and see you and feel you and understand you. And Lord, for those of us that have raised our hands and we need redemption and forgiveness and mercy, Jesus, I'm asking you to wash us clean. Wash us clean. 
And Jesus, we invite you to change us from the inside out and help us, Lord, to believe. Help us, Lord, to believe. All right, you can put your hands down. Second group of people I want to pray for this morning are those of you that have loved ones. And today, as I was talking about grappling with the faith for others, some of you had somebody's face just jump into your mind and you realized you've been sitting on the bench while they are risking their eternal souls. And today you're ready to say to Jesus, I will grapple with their faith. I will get in the game and rescue them from the fires of hell. If that's you today and you want me to pray for you, as you get in the game for people you love, raise your hands real high. We're gonna, we're gonna pray. And I know every single one of these hands represents people you love. Jesus, we're raising our hands because we have loved ones who have believed a distorted faith. And Lord, some of us have been sitting on the bench instead of getting in the game and really wrestling. And I know, Lord, it it puts us at risk and and we don't do it because we're afraid of rejection or we're afraid of making it worse or we're just afraid of a whole bunch of things. And it's not cool. It's not politically correct. But today we're listening to Jude and we're saying, I've got to get in the game. So Jesus, for every one of us that has a hand raise, I'm asking, Lord, for your help. Give us the opportunities, Lord, to start a conversation. Give us kindness and gentleness, but give us urgency. Give us the word. Some of us don't even know what to say. We need you to help us speak your words. So help us, Jesus. And help us to remember, Lord, that Jesus does a really good job of judging so we don't have to judge anybody. We don't have to judge anybody. We just want to have mercy on people and help them come into the blessing of God. Thank you, Jesus. I kind of prayed a little bonus sermon there for all of us. All right. I guess that was kind of an amen. These are hard messages. Jude is a hard book. And one of the things that I just want to say again and again, friends, is because Jesus is the judge, we don't have to do his job for him. Hear what I'm saying? Our job is to help people understand the love and mercy and forgiveness of Jesus. Bring him into the blessing box, okay? Let me give you a couple of next steps this morning. A couple of things that I want to encourage you to do very practically. The first one is to get in the game. Uh, and, and that probably means something a little differently for lots of you, but get in the game. We're going to be unpacking this in the, last few, in the next few weeks. Jude gives us some very practical ways to defend the faith, contend for the faith, grapple for the faith. So I hope you won't miss one of these messages. I know it's camping season, summer's coming to an end, but if you have to be gone, listen to the podcast, okay? This is important stuff. We need to listen to Jude. Get in the game. And then lastly, number two on your, on your notes, I want to invite you to read all of Jude this week. It's just 25 verses. It'll take you 10 minutes. But I hope you'll read all 25 verses in more than one version. I'll be using the New Living Translation in my teaching time, but my other favorite is the English Standard Version. And, and they're going to be very different when you read them. I want to encourage you to choose a couple of versions and read them this week. If there's hard to understand stuff, every week I'm going to be unpacking this stuff 
and we're going to have a lot of fun along the way. All right? So uh, those are your next steps. Let's stand. We're going to sing one more celebration song, and then we'll turn you loose. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you together next week again.